What's up, everybody? How's it going in the internet wrestling community and all over the World Wide Web? It is me, it is me, the big old Stevie C, Steve Castellanovo, kicking it with you on a Halloween weekend of the Heel and Face podcast, a podcast dedicated to news, information, and commentary on the world of professional wrestling. And of course, as always, brought to you by Heel Turn Wrestling. It's a very WWE-centric show for lots of reasons, some of them in the ring, some of them in the ring. Uh, we are going to obviously preview Crown Jewel. We're going to be one of the first shows out there, I'm very confident in saying, that is going to preview Crown Jewel. We're going to take a look back at SmackDown, which I've been watching a lot of lately for obvious and various reasons. We'll talk briefly about a couple topics that have been popping up as far as vague ideas or controversial takes going on in professional wrestling right now. And of course, of course, we will talk about the new or the debut of the first fourth generation professional wrestler. That's right. There is only one person who can really claim to be a direct fourth generation professional wrestler. And she did so, oops, spoilers. She did so last week on NXT. Well, I hope you're uh, liking the show. Thank you for joining me this morning. If you would like to spread the gospel, so to speak, spread the word about heel turn wrestling. I would be indebted to you as Terry Funk said forever, 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 forever. So if you want to, and you feel like you want to, please feel free to go to most of my other social medias. You can go to the heel and face Facebook page and then click link tree. And then you can go all those places uh, Twitter is alive with lightning running through its fingers, Daddy, because I don't know if you've noticed, but uh, billionaire entrepreneur and industrialist Elon Musk has taken over the reins of Twitter. And I don't know if you feel one way or the other about it. We try to stay apolitical on this show, but it's going to be interesting to see how Twitter is going to allow for creators such as myself to continue to use the platform and I'm going to stick around on it. It's been good to me so far. And I usually use it as a kind of meaner version of myself. And I know that sounds terrible, but it is what it is. I'm more inclined to get into it with people on Twitter for a couple reasons. One, it is relatively anonymous Two. It's fun. <laughs> it's kind of a release. That's kind of what Twitter is supposed to be for. And three, most trolls on Twitter deserve it. Let's be let's be honest. Um, no one wants to have a real debate, or very few people want to have a real actual debate. And to see people melt down on Twitter for the littlest, dumbest things is just kind of amusing to me. But I'm also on Minds. I'm also on Locals. I'm also on other various platforms. So check me out there. Or if you're unable to join me live, well, heck, and shoot and darn, you can go ahead and join me on 
the audio version of this podcast wherever your favorite audio podcast platform shall be. The thing is, is that you uh, miss out on the crawl, which is where I'm going to put more and more news as I speak about the things that I want to talk about. But I'll throw some dumb things because I'm actually sick and tired. If you read the crawl right now, if you are live watching or if you're watching the video at some point later on in your life and you see the crawl right now, it's just full of stupidity from AEW that really isn't worth my time, but it is worth noting. I mean, now Larry the dog has had to have uh, emergency surgery because of the backstage fiasco. And there's all a bunch of rumors and claims that uh, CM Punk is going to be bought out of his contract and Chris Jericho, um, uh, ever the opportunist, came out from the middle of nowhere and uh, told off CM Punk when no one asked him to. But that's okay, because it is what it is. And uh, I don't know anybody other than AEW fans or Uncle Dave Meltzer who are actually taking AEW seriously anymore. So... Um, yes, I know that TNT has put out their Warner Brothers TNT have put out there that they are interested in converting TNT to a more sports based basic cable show and they want AEW to be part of it. Yes, I get it. I understand. That doesn't change the fact that uh, there isn't a whole lot of respect right now for AEW or for Tony Khan or for anything else going on over there. So that's my, that's one of my hot takes that I'm going to have today. And I'm sure I'll have plenty more. And if you're looking for more hot takes, by the way, don't only uh, subscribe to the heel and face podcast pages, but also go to heel turn wrestling. That's right. If you want all of the great information and other stuff that's going on in the world of professional wrestling internationally, or even in your local, uh, your local indie, you want to know what's going on there, then uh, definitely join us at Heel Turn Wrestling at, on Facebook at HT Wrestling 316. That's HT Wrestling 316. All right. Enough plugs. Enough plugs. Let's go to the first uh, bit of news, bit of information, which, uh, you know, this is a lot of fun. This is something that I'm looking forward to. And as a matter of fact, I know I said it last time for something and I promised that I would pay for a pay-per-view or whatever. But uh, at this point, um, I'm really down with whatever uh, President William Corgan is doing. And just lately, with a week to go before Hard Justice 3, NWA President William Corgan unveils new NWA US tag belts, which look really, really nice. And it was funny. I don't think the US tag belts when they came out looked all that bad to begin with. But, you know, it's just an effort to continually improve your product. You know the smart businessmen, you know the smart men, who, and women, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be gender exclusive, but uh, smart business people who they don't settle for mediocrity. They can throw something out there and say, ah, it's great, you know, or we have one. Props to William Corgan for 
trying to establish the fact that the NWA is classy and that it is an important uh, wrestling promotion, that it continues to be an important wrestling promotion. I get it. I know. Especially with the consumer these days, NWA is probably third. I'm sorry, not third, not even third, probably fifth or sixth on the list of importance. And I understand that the NWA uh, doesn't get necessarily the top level stars in North America or for any rate anywhere else, but use the tools that you're given. And Billy Corrigan is doing a great job of that. All of the belts look classy. I know some people are like, well, the U.S. tag belt stood out. And I get that. I actually did like the old design, but I like the new design too. And I think it just kind of gives more class to the NWA and, again, reestablishes them as a promotion to be taken seriously. Every promotion is going to have their goofy things. I get it. Every promotion is going to have their weird pairings in their sports entertainment. But I think by and large, with what William Corgan has done with the NWA in the past couple of years, um, really makes the aesthetic kind of different and it works. And I get it. You don't have all the time in the world to be watching YouTube for NWA. You don't have money spend on fight tv to buy the pay-per-views and i totally understand where you're coming from i too feel the same way i feel a little guilty sometimes that i don't get to watch enough nwa both uh power and nwa usa but if you even look at the aesthetic i'm gonna go back to this look at the aesthetic it's throwback yet it's kind of fresh you don't see a whole lot of super bright colors Uh, nxt tried that and it, it didn't work it it killed the vibe of NXT for sure. Of course, that was Bruce Pritchard, Kevin Dunn, and Vince is doing anyway. But it works for the NWA. Because what do we want out of the NWA? We want tradition. We want importance. We want pride. We want to go back to that time where the NWA was really good in, in most people's eyes, especially in William Corrigan's eyes, because he's my age, probably a little older than me. That image is a core memory of what the NWA looked like. The old Georgia Wrestling Federation, TBS promotions, the 605s and the 805s Saturday and Sunday mornings. That's what the NWA was to us, and it looks that way. And at the same time, too, you know, marketing towards a modern audience, uh, but not doing it to pander to a modern audience. So you have belts that look classy, look good. Uh, They look like someone important holds them and they kind of have a throwback feel, which I'm all, which I'm all for. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of that. So be on the lookout for, I said, uh, hard justice three. I'm at hard times three. Look out for hard times three this weekend from the Bayou state from Louisiana they're going to do uh, two pay-per-views back-to-back, I think, there to take advantage of the space and uh, look out for that. Uh, the matches, I believe, include um, 
a three-way between uh, Matt Cardona, I forget the third person, and Trevor Murdoch for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. So that ought to be lit in and of itself, plus a lot of tag team action. And, and the forbidden doors are no longer forbidden in wrestling anymore. Uh, current MLW never uh, – I'm sorry, never – Current MLW open weight champion Davey Richards will be fighting Kobe Carino. So that might be a really interesting match to watch. So, you know, not I'm not getting paid for it. I'm gonna suggest you watch it because I'm gonna try to buy it and put my mouth where my money is and my money where my mouth is and my money on my mind and my mind on my money and probably buy the pay-per-view this weekend. Now this next topic has been getting quite a bit of run, and I don't want to start a major topic <laughs> right away, but I guess we're gonna we're gonna have to. Um, I'm not gonna take very long with this because I have specific opinions. And by the way, you can always comment below. I will check the. Uh, Facebook page for Heel and Face uh, during the show, and then after the show, I'll check it on Heel Turn Wrestling to try to reply and respond to a lot. But this came up, and a friend of mine who I'm pestering daily to help me with the show, be a guest on the show to talk wrestling with you, is, uh, is it keeps bringing this stuff up. He knows who he is, by the way. If you're watching, you know who you are. And he keeps bringing stuff and showing me stuff. And there was actually a debate on this on a very popular message board. That's right. Message boards still exist, kids. And this is just a, a random topic that continues to come up in wrestling that I really have a pro and con approach to. I, I can see both sides. And so, honestly, you want me to have a super hot take? I'm, I don't know if it's super hot, but it's going to be kind of hot. And I'll stop teasing it as they say in the business, and go ahead and show you. So a lot of was made on the interwebs about Rhea Ripley slamming Luke Gallows and sparking the, or re-sparking the intergender wrestling debate. So the internet is going crazy about this, and I guess it's justifiably so. I mean, you know, they don't announce weights anymore, especially for women. I don't think they announce weights. But, you know, it's no surprise. It's no shock to anybody that Rhea Ripley is a very uniquely talented, even genetically. She's, what, 6'1", 6'2". She looks like a volleyball player. You know, she's got long arms, long legs, good trunk, athletic, and super strong. So with a little push, slamming Gallows wasn't uh, hard for her, I don't think. It's probably what? Somewhere around 200, probably very close to being under 200. I'm sure she at, at, her, at her most muscular or heaviest, she's probably 210. Able to slam one of the good brothers. And now people want to say, oh, okay, no, so Ripley should be wrestling dudes. And 
because the internet has no chill, we have all on the internet wrestling community have decided that Rhea Ripley should be wrestling guys exclusively. I want to at least explore it and take a pause just because I have two sides. I can see both sides to this debate and I want to be able to make somewhat of a definitive statement or at least something that's a good enough compromise where people won't completely hate each other or hate me for my take. So on one hand, uh, you know, LOL, it's wrestling, right? Like just last week, uh, a guy lost to an Australian shepherd at a flea market. And the internet went crazy with that. Just two weeks ago, a guy who looks like he's never eaten a pizza in his life uh, is on Fox News for being the first pizza chef. And by the way, you know the reason why he was on Fox. It wasn't because to try to tie it to wrestling because he was immediately on AEW and got kicked in the face by Ethan Page uh, for his troubles. But the whole point of the pizza guy being on Fox is is because the dude uh, didn't close his promotion. He owns the, the promotion that he's the main character of or whatever, conveniently. And he clo- he didn't he didn't keep it open, and he basically uh, stopped booking vaccinated wrestlers on principle. He said he would not force any of his wrestlers to get vaccinated, even though most of the wrestlers who wrestled for him wanted to get vaccinated. And once he found out, he shut down shows. So he's kind of an anti-vaxxer, kind of a Trump dude. That's probably the reason why he got on Fox anyway. But the pizza guy is making more. Uh, more headlines by me just talking about them than anything else. So we've had some craziness happen in the last two or three weeks in the world of professional wrestling that now we're going to hyper-focus on something that's been happening forever, something that's been happening for a long time. It's wrestling, okay? So that's part of my argument. Ultimately, it doesn't matter if there's intergender wrestling, especially nowadays when there's actually good intergender matches. I've seen, for example, Jocelyn Navarro wrestle men multiple times and put together pretty good matches. Um, I've seen Max the Impaler. They have put on very good intergender matches with men. But there's one... There's one connecting tissue to that. Most of those matches have been on the independent scene on YouTube, not with major promotions. I'm not saying major promotions can't do it. They've never done it. Of course, WWE's done it probably more successfully than anybody else where it's made sense because that's the ultimate factor is it has to make sense. But on the other, and I'll get to that in a minute in my hot take, but the other side of that aspect is Do I really want to see, even if it's an accident, even if it's not a shoot, even if it's a total, because it ain't ballet, we established that last week, do I want to see the potential of a former Division I defensive lineman who is 6'4", 260 pounds, who can deadlift 
600, 700 pounds and probably bench uh, 385 in reps. Do I want to see him uh, Superman punch Rhea Ripley? I, I don't. There are differences that are still in existence that take away the need or want to see intergender wrestling at a serious level. And call it misogynistic, call it patriarchal, whatever you want, patrician, whatever you want to call it. It's not usually a good idea to um, watch a grown man kick a woman in the face, even if it is wrestling, even if it is a work and not a shoot. Now, that being said, context is everything, which is the part of my hot take of intergender wrestling. Context is everything, just with life in general. Intergender wrestling can be good if there is a specific story or specific way that it's being told. Even with this recent issues with Rhea Ripley and handling Dominic Mysterio, there's been context. Rhea getting in the way of Dominic, but getting in between Dominic and Ray has been teased for months. You notice that any interaction between Rey Mysterio and Rhea Ripley have been nominal at best. I don't think there's been a whole lot of physicality. Also, Rey Mysterio himself is only, what, 190, 200 pounds, and he's five foot three, five foot four. So there's no, there's no discrepancy per se. Like, of course, he's going to get ragdolled by Rhea Ripley, who's uh, large, even for a female. Because Rey Mysterio gets ragdolled by everybody, so that's the context. And of course, the context of the storyline was that Dom was separating from Rey, and Dom was joining the evil Judgment Day cult. So, again, context is everything. And I know I sound like a WWE stan, for those of you out there who are tired of it, but the last significant intergender match that the WWE had was... WrestleMania with Triple H versus Ronda Rousey or whatever. When Triple H was in there, he was in there with a world-class jiu-jitsu artist, a world-class judoka, uh, um, a former gold medalist in judo, a former UFC champion. So it's not like, you know, this is ECW where um, Francine gets caught and pile-driven by uh, Raven. This is not that at all. This is a well-trained, capable individual taking on a guy bigger than her. So context, again, continues to be everything. Now, in the indies, I get it. It's a little more laissez-faire, right? It's a little more anything goes. That's why you see it. And that's why it happens. On You don't see it on a grander scale because the dynamics of what's going on at the indie show, you know, 
anything can happen at an indie show, practically. There's very few independent wrestling shows that go straight by the book as far as a wrestling card goes uh, anymore. And things are kind of thrown out the window because it's more of the entertainment value, right? On a, In a smaller scale, on a lighter scale, on little dabs of it, little speckles of it throughout professional wrestling, especially on the indie scene, people dig it. Or if you're doing something like GCW and you have complete intergender matches, again, the understanding is GCW, Game Changer Wrestling, is not for everybody. And you get what you get when you go there. So context, again, is everything in intergender wrestling. Again, not to say that it's not been done well and not to say that it can't be done well. It clearly has been done well, but I don't feel like I want to start a program between Rhea Ripley and uh, Roman Reigns or Rhea Ripley and Cody Rhodes when he comes back. I don't think that's necessary. I think what she's doing right now in the spots that she is able to slam people and able to kind of be lightweight, the muscle of Judgment Day. I think that's a perfect spot for her. Now, it would make sense to bring Beth Phoenix in. I don't know if her schedule will allow it. Quite frankly, if she's a full-time part, or even if she's a part-time part of WWE, she's been underused. I loved her commentary at NXT, and then she got pulled off. Then they tried to you know, put her into that Judgment Day feud with Edge. It's still probably going to go on. I mean, I know Edge is taking time off to film uh, Percy Jackson. But at some point, bringing uh, Rhea Ripley back, uh, I'm sorry, not Rhea Ripley, bringing uh, Beth Phoenix back, if, again, she's not really doing anything, if she holds down the house while Edge is out filming, then God bless her, more power to her. Um, but if she is available, I would love to definitely love to see her link up with Rey Mysterio and Randy Orton for a inter, or I'm sorry, a mixed survivor series match but you know intergender wrestling can be good but it's got to be in context or else it looks like the old stereotypes of the male female dynamic of fights which is if you're a dude and you put your hands on a woman generally speaking even with what's going on with wokeness it's a bad idea to put your hands on a woman if you're a man but if you get beat up by a woman then you're somehow less than as a man so it's a weird beautiful human dynamic of uh, gender relations that we continue to go through these days i'm just saying intergender wrestling to me not mixed tags not mixed tags it's a different dynamic there intergender wrestling to me is a lot like hardcore wrestling i'll watch about two or three matches a year and i'll be good i'll be good but again it once again proves that context is everything and context is key when you think about the next news about a female wrestler that came out but this wrestler's practically brand new she's practically 
a baby, so to speak. She's somebody's baby. And no, I'm not talking about uh, Jackson Brown's hit song from the 70s, for those of you who are old like me. I'm talking about someone who is in the WWE who happens to be, and I don't, I'm not trying to break some journalistic integrity here because if I'm wrong, I'm sure y'all, y'all would tell me. But as far as my knowledge goes, this woman has the privilege of being the first four generation wrestler, fourth generation wrestler in WWE. And that so happens to be Ava Rain, who just recently revealed herself as being part of Schism. And as you know, of course, Ava Rain is the daughter of Dwayne The Rock Johnson, who is the son of Rocky Johnson and the grandson of the great High Chief Peter Maivea. So she makes her debut, Ava Rain does, as the newest member of Schism, and kind of puts together her promo that she has been working on, apparently, in the what they affectionately call in NXT the coconut circuit. So NXT does do live shows, by the way. Uh, they do see, I wouldn't even call them C, maybe even D shows. NXT does D shows. And they do them famously around the the, the northern mid uh, Florida area, right? They've been to, what, Coconut Grove or Coconut Beach or whatever it's called. They, they do a lot of dates around the Orlando area just to get people seasoned because, God forbid, pro wrestlers should be seasoned enough to be ready to go on live TV on a natural on a national promotion. But whatever, be that as it may, Ava Rain, who's been make, cutting promos about how she's not who you think she is, she's not her daughter's uh her father's daughter she's her own woman and uh, she kind of crystallized that in her promo where she said that i'm not in the family i'm expected to be but i'm in the family that accepts me so why not man i mean i think it's great i know people want to crap on this and i've even read some places where uh some people have said she should just come out as the Rock's daughter, who's uh, everybody knows. It's not like it's a secret. Well, she's even addressed this before on Twitter. She said, in effect, that the reason why you know because people are they were criticizing her on on her name change. Why don't you just say you're Simone Johnson, you know, or just come out as the Rock's daughter? And she had a good point. She said it doesn't matter what she does. She's going to be criticized for whatever she does anyway. So there's no point in her being uh, Simone Johnson because she could have been like Joe Johnson and people would still say, ah, you're the Rock's daughter. So we're getting this hint of who she is, but we're getting a brand new personality, someone that we've never really seen before other than possible appearances on Level Up or on the aforementioned Coconut Circuit in Florida. Let's just let this happen first before we have any 
specific judgments or reasons for hating this. Because I know we want to hate. We're genetically predisposed to hate things and to look for the negatives and things. And it's enough eye-rolling, right? It's enough, oh my gosh, we know that Dominic is Rey Mysterio's son. We get it. Yes, the bloom is off the rose. The curtain has been pulled back and kayfabe is dead. So what are you going to do now? Are you going to insist that Simone Johnson be Simone Johnson? Are you going to now make her have uh, wear a elbow pad and make her do the rock bottom, throw the elbow pad in the crowd? Um, or are you going to do what everyone in her family has done for three generations, which is get yourself over the best way you can? I distinctly remember, and many of you forget, which, or don't even really know, because I see the memes all the time, and I know it's kind of tongue-in-cheek and obviously meme-ish, but the, the memes about kids today won't know this man without knowing this man, so it's a picture of Dwayne The Rock Johnson, and then right next to it, it's the picture of The Rock with a raised eyebrow. Yeah. So along those same lines... When Rocky, when The Rock first debuted on Raw, he was still wearing the whole Flex Cavana gimmick, right? He still had the long, weird island-covered robes, you know, island prints. Uh, he was still with the crazy long hair, um, you know, the big smiles and all that. But he was the Rock or Dwayne Rocky Johnson, and or Rocky Junior, whatever it is you guys were calling him or what WWE was calling him at the time. And he came out and people, my generation, people old like me completely crapped on him, completely crapped on him. And it took a lot. It took a great deal of guts on Vince's and the rocks part to go ahead and turn him evil and have him join the nation. And guess what? It was the right choice. It worked. It was perfect. I remember the Die Rocky Die chance. I remember the Rocky Sucks chance. I remember when the fans completely crapped on it because they thought, oh, here's just one more entitled third-generation wrestler who thinks he's going to come in and, and set the world on fire, and we should all respect him because of his name. You know, by the way, that kind of stuff was going on way before last year. Uh, Generation X started that stuff in the 90s. <laughs> just kidding. We probably didn't. I mean... You think about it, I don't want to get off on a huge tangent here, but I would just assume that people booed Greg Gagne. I just assumed that people, people, well, Jeff Jarrett even tells us that people booed him originally and the boys in the back didn't like him originally because uh, he was Jerry Jarrett's son. There's a fair amount. People hated Eric Watts. And his dad was one of the most influential uh, wrestlers, wrestling trainers, wrestling promoters in the history of professional wrestling. So what do you like expect? Like everyone hates the second and third generation because we all feel like they are entitled and we put that on the rock. So you're mad now that in order to avoid everyone in the internet wrestling community's criticism of Simone Johnson and her ability to work in the ring and why she has a job with WWE in the first place. 
Now you're going to criticize her for wanting to step out completely in a different light to have a completely different name that she probably chose and to be part of a group that's sketchy and weird at best, but actually had a well-written reason for her to join it. Come on now. Let's be real. Let's be real. Simone Johnson needed to be Ava Rain, and Ava Rain needed to be part of Schism just as much as Flex Cavana needed to be the Rocky the Rock Johnson or whatever he was when he came in, and then he needed to be part of uh, the nation of domination. Let's see how this plays out. We actually haven't seen her wrestle a match on NXT yet. Now, of course, you're going to hide her, right? They're going to they're going to be very careful. They're going to protect her, and that's fine that's what's supposed to happen if they don't think that she really does have what it takes yet you're going to protect her and you're going to have her in matches like and i hate to say it because i love it like with violetta ferraz and uh you know other types of women like that who are on the roster i think she may actually be injured but you get what i mean like they're gonna put her against jobbers despite the fact that I actually like a lot of the underneath women, like, except for, I don't see anything good about Saul, whatever her name is, but there's a lot of women there in NXT that she's probably going to go over and you're probably going to hate it. And she's probably going to get cheap heel heat in the beginning, but let this play out. My goodness. Let's see Ava Rain wrestle a couple matches with Schism. Let's see Ava Rain be the one that grabs the baby face's ankle while, uh, the rest of Schism attack them. I mean, let's let's see what she does first before we completely decide that Ava Rain is worthless and uh, she should be Simone Johnson and she should be giving people the rock bottom as her finishing move. Okay, let's let's just put a pause on that for a moment. All right, now speaking of pauses, speaking of putting pauses on something, I'm gonna take a brief pause and. When I come back, we're going to talk about SmackDown, little surprises here and there, including a visit from Uncle Howdy. And we're also going to preview Crown Jewel. So stick around for that. Uh, you guys are listening to and or watching the Heel and Face podcast, a podcast dedicated to news, information, and commentary about the world of professional wrestling brought to you by heel turn wrestling be back in a few all righty it is me it is me the big old stevie c steve castle and back with you on another edition of the heel and face podcast a podcast dedicated to news information and commentary on the world of professional wrestling brought to you by heel turn wrestling let me tell you heel turn wrestling can't be any bigger than it is right now and it's really exciting for us to be able to connect with you the fans on uh, the sport that we all love. We're the biggest fan-driven, fan-oriented wrestling sports site on Facebook, on social media, and we continue to grow because of you guys, and we really do love and appreciate what uh, you guys bring to the table. So continue to bring that positive energy, Continue to bring uh, uh, like, share, subscribe, let people know where we are and where we stand. And uh, hopefully um, we can uh, keep you informed and entertained about the world of professional wrestling on the way. And there we go. All right. 
so let's get to the big thing. Let's get to SmackDown, shall we? I have been in a, I don't want to say a rut because that's uh, a negative, that's pejorative. Uh, because SmackDown has been very good lately, and I want to accentuate it, coupled with the fact that most of the news is coming out of SmackDown anyway. Yes, I do know. I'm fully aware that Nikki Cross re-debuted as Crazy Nikki Cross again. Um, and everybody's saying good, and everybody's saying, you know, Triple H, blah, 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 and I get it. Let's not forget that Nikki came up with the Nikki A.S.H. character anyway. I don't know if this is going to reinstitute Nikki Cross into the women's division as a serious threat for Bianca Belair's championship or not. It remains to be seen. We do know she single-handedly took out damage control and Bianca Belair on Raw, so that might be a thing. But uh, anyway, uh, speaking of women, let's let's talk about uh, women just for uh, a minute here. Let's go over the debut of or re-debut, the return of Emma. I have mixed feelings on this because on one hand, as, as other people have mentioned, the NXT or the uh, SmackDown women's division, the women's division in general needs people who are solid veterans that know what they're doing. But on the other side, I'm not convinced Emma is it. Like, do we want Emma? I mean, the WWE didn't even want Emma, even when they tried to repackage her twice. This is not to say that she did not grow and get better as a wrestler. She was very well respected. As a matter of fact, wasn't she impact? Uh, knockouts champion for quite some time and she and Caleb Conley were doing some very interesting things as far as trying to be the influencers and all that stuff and uh, Caleb Conley doing that role of being a photographer that was actually really really good they were doing some very interesting takes on wokeism themselves which I thought was pretty funny um, at times so they were entertaining and they figured it out and she did actually work hard on her craft for the five years that she was gone in NXT. She could have gone back to Australia and hid and, you know, she could have been mad and sulky, but she took the advantage of being here and she did something with herself. Now the match itself uh, with Ronda Rousey, the reason why Emma came back was because Ronda Rousey did make an open challenge to any female wrestler. And of course, Emma took advantage of that. She took, uh, that to heart and went out to challenge Ronda Rousey for the belt in a match that was longer than it needed to be. And it was a decent enough match. You could tell that Emma just kind of, I don't want to say walked off the street, but that Emma had not reacclimated herself to the ring yet because she was a little off Rhonda was waiting for her on some moves. By the way, everybody was talking. Especially if SmackDown is pre-recorded, they've got to do a better job editing the sound, especially the wrestlers. I mean, Matthew of Botchamania 
can use the his next entire episode on SmackDown this week. Every you can hear everything the wrestlers were saying to each other. Um, I'll get to some of those individual matches in a minute, but yeah, you had to you know Ronda had to wait for Emma to get in certain positions and 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 to do moves, and it kind of looked a little hokey. And I've talked about before about taking for granted that Ronda Rousey's matches are going to look a little sloppy in regards to purposefully they're a little sloppy because I feel like it's just going to be how Ronda wrestles and she wrestles wrestlers in more of a realistic form. So it's not going to look as crisp as it always does. But that being said too, yeah, there Emma should probably have had a couple of sparring matches at the performance center before they brought her up. And if you think I'm crazy, again, I want to remind you of something that Booker T says about the difference between WWE rings and everybody else's rings, which is what he noticed, which is kind of why he blames his debut match on WWE television is not the best thing that happened was that, WWE rings are significantly larger than anybody else's ring, including TNA, including AEW. So that matters. That's a whole extra two and a half feet of ring in area to try to cover that you're not used to. In TNA and in AEW, I don't know. They might have changed the dimensions, but I don't think uh, AEW's ring is very large. But WWE's rings are what I heard either 20 or 22 like feet square feet diameter something like that and most other rings are 18 or 20 so it definitely definitely is something to get used to because again Booker T said it himself uh, but the things that Emma was doing you know were great like the 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 matches like she came off the cross body she put uh Ronda Rousey in the tarantula hold. She gave her the Emmaite sandwich that Michael Cole butchered in mentioning. Uh, it's not his fault. He uh, was hasn't said the move in like five years. But Emma did a really nice job despite the physical difference in the ring that she's used to. And of course, Ronda Rousey just tied her up in knots, which looked awesome. Emma looked credible, and Ronda still won because Emma is credible. I would like to, if they are going to do something with her, then definitely put her in a program that's going to be worth it. Maybe just to get her used to WWE again. Maybe let her wrestle Natalie, Natalia, or somebody else just to get her, her stuff down and her feet wet. But other than that, you know, Emma can still go and. Uh, she proved it with Ronda Rousey going what it was what ten good it was a good ten to fifteen minutes that they went in the match so um, good for Emma she's happy that she's back she tweeted back uh, home and she also tweeted that uh, you know my world shattered five years ago and now I'm back kind of welcome home tweets so uh, good for her God bless her you know what many happy returns let's hope that Emma gets used in WWE in a legitimate way. Other uh, things significantly that happened on SmackDown, um, Liv Morgan jumps Sonya 
DeVille, Cruella DeVille, as other people like to call her. And uh, sure, that was fun. Uh, we're going to definitely see uh, probably a hardcore match with them. I don't think at Crown Jewel. Uh, I think the only women's match is going to be uh, Bianca uh, versus Bailey, which we'll talk about in a moment. Um, but but it was you know still good to see Liv. And I don't know. I'm starting to like take or leave Sonya Deville. But speaking of women's MMA fighters, there was the backstage where uh, Ronda Rousey was walking backstage, and out of nowhere. Shayna Baszler shows up, congratulates her old friend, gives her the bro hug, and blah, blah, blah. So Natalia busts in and says, the reason why you kept that match is because you got some rando off the street. But if I were to have answered that challenge, you were. And the second that she tried to put that uh, out into the universe, uh, Shayna chokes her out, which is weird and interesting. And that's how wrestling goes, because they were both tag partners at some point. So setting up a feud between her and Natalie, uh, Natalia or even setting up a feud between Baszler and Natalia. So I'm totally good with Shayna Baszler being uh, Ronda Rousey's muscle, you know, Ronda being the final boss. I'm good with that. It's going to be interesting. Natalia is going to go on a babyface run where she's going to chase probably one of the last runs in her career. And it ought to be fun. Plus I've been advocating for her, uh, Rousey and Baszler to be the uh, two-woman power trip anyway. So if only there was a intercontinental or a women's U.S. belt, come on, WWE, uh, to be able to give to somebody like Shayna Baszler so they could walk around as the two-woman power trip. Either way. Um, other stuff that happened, I'm going to put off uh, the Brawling Brutes versus uh, Zayn and Sokoa because that's obviously a bigger story uh, than just give credit for the match, which wasn't great. Um, the New Day beat the Maximum Male Models because LOL. Uh, Kofi pulled off Shadows Over Hell on Monster Wowerer. And also uh, Austin, or sorry, not Austin Creed. Um, uh, Xavier Woods had a massive, like, it looked like it really hurt, <laughs> uh, a, a massive double stomp um, after the midnight hour. And one, two, three, uh, New Day is coming for the tag belts. Uh, maximum Male Bottles is still the comedy routine. It's still funny. It's just, I don't know. Uh, definitely can't bring Monsoor to Crown Jewel now. And Mace looks pretty good. Just looks a little uh, goofy in the hyper shavedness, um, you know, where he's like waxing his face and has the weird mustache. They look good. Just they're just going to be jabronis. Um, even Xavier Woods said something about what are they supposed to be? Rick the Model Martell and Tyler Breeze. Shout out to Tyler Breeze, uh, by the way. So. Legato del Fantasma comes out and says that they are going to run things now, that they are the standard of tag teams on SmackDown, and they have to show their dominance by beating up Hit Row. So Hit Row declares that they are three men down or one man down. They're not three people anymore because uh, 
Shane Strickland is too busy abducting 50-year-old men and rubbing his junk against them. So out comes Shinsuke Nakamura, the only other dude with a vibe on that show. Wasn't a, wasn't a bad match. It was a lot better than the last match that Legato and um, Hit Row had together. Um, but in the end, you know, because Shin is over like Rover, he gave Kinshasa um, to Santos Escobar after Escobar uh, was the victim of Top Dollar's Downtown 3. Uh, and I know we get a lot of complaints about how Top Dollar doesn't look like a wrestler, right? And yes, I just went on how a wrestler should look like a wrestler. But yeah, even kind of being heavy set with no real definition in his arms and stuff, like Top Dollar is supposed to look like what Eddie Kingston wants to look like, right? Top Dollar was a former uh, offensive lineman in the NFL, still athletic. And as you can tell by doing the downtown three, which is kind of homage to Undertaker. And the only other thing I would say to that is it did take a little too long. Like he didn't milk it. He, what he does is he milks his big moves a little too long. Just like two weeks ago when he delivered the, uh, the downtown elbow, whatever, after, you know, hitting the gritty or whatever, still uh, athletic dude, just fast and strong and, and got a lot of personality Again, kind of like what probably um, Brodus Clay wishes he would have been. But yeah, after he getting hit by down by three downtown three, um, Santos Escobar suffered the Kinshasa over uh, from Shinsuke Nakamura giving Hit Row the win. Um, filler match with Karrion Cross defeating Madcap Moss in the most alliterative WWE match possible. I'm surprised Michael Cole and Wade Barrett got through this commentary without uh, flubbing or botching lines. I like Mad Cat Moss. He's gotten way better. It's probably time just to go back to Riddick Moss. It's probably time for him to just kind of be on his own. He's just random dude in black tights, but he's athletic and he can really go and he's got a good promo. If you let him, he doesn't do anything wrong. It's just that, you know, he doesn't stand out. Why would I care about him? Which is why he was fed to carry cross. Who's just that dude. Right. And in the end, um, uh, cross got him with the, um, cross strike or whatever he's calling it the cross jacket shot, whatever in the back of the head, knocked him out one, two, three, and then to send a message to Drew McIntyre, uh, he put Moss in the, uh, the cross jacket, the straight jacket and, uh, put him to sleep and threatened to do the same to Drew McIntyre at crown jewel. All right. The only other thing that I didn't talk about, obviously, um, was um, the, fantastic uh, interaction between Sami Zayn and the rest of uh, the Usos. Just that stuff is just too hilarious not to comment on. Uh, now the match with, so the, it was determined that Sami Zayn and Sakol, uh were going to completely 
get rid of. They were going to handle business, handle bloodline family business, and get the uh, brewing bra the the brawling brutes out of the picture. But if the brawling brutes won, then they would have a title shot at Crown Jewel against uh, the Usos, which is going to be a hell of a match, actually, anyway. And Rich Holland has gotten better. But this match was just awful. Th this match was uh, terrible. Um, just directionless. There were so many obvious spots, like uh, Ridge Holland coming through and trying to clothesline both guys and being in front of the camera and it barely looks like it barely touched any of the bloodline because the bloodline were getting were interfering uh you know sammy zang doing what he does um it just didn't do anything for for a match that's supposed to hype us up for crown jewel against the usos i feel like they were just trying to get through the match to get to the promo segment which was again the greatest part um, you know, Sola Sokoa is a monster. Sami Zayn was great in the ring. He took a lot of the, a lot of the heel bumping, um, a lot of misses in this match. And again, if you're taping this for SmackDown, I'm not saying go through the match again. I'm saying really try to edit it better. You have the opportunity, edit it better. Um, same is true with some of the Ronda Rousey versus Emma championship challenge match and uh even going back real quickly to another point with new day versus uh maximum male models you can hear uh xavier woods telling maxine dupree where to go and i get it she's green she really doesn't know where to be she hasn't grown up uh in the business knowing what a manager is supposed to do but he's you can hear him on canvas saying, go, go over there, go, go, go over there to set up the whole spot, which was coming up later. She either missed her cue or she didn't know what she was supposed to do. And, uh, you know, Woods had to go tell her. Um, you could hear way too much going on in the ring. And you would think, again, being taped, being pre recorded, you should be able to edit that stuff out. But I guess you can't edit everything. You can't edit the truth. Well, anyway, speaking of truth, there were a lot of truths going out there. Um, the end of the Brawling Brutes versus the bloodline, so to speak, Sami Zayn and Sola Sokoa, uh, ended up with the Brawling Brutes getting the victory because of Jay Uso's uh, ill-advised, unprovoked help, help, so to speak which prompted the tribal chief, the head of the table, Roman Reigns, to come out to address the bloodline. And although he said he wanted to keep personal matters personal, he felt like he had to address this in front of the entire crowd, which is what he did. And he chastised Jay. Sami Zayn tried to be the peacemaker and talk and, and, and try to be the cooler head that prevailed until Jay proclaimed in front of God and everybody that he didn't give a darn what the head of the table thinks, which prompted Roman just to bow up a little bit. And Sami Zayn tried to smooth it out 
over. But of course, in his own Sami Zayn style, the way he smoothed it over was to try to break everybody in the middle of the promo. You saw a lot of uh, covering your mouth. They're trying not to crack up. Uh, Sami Zayn's, apparently one of his jobs is to continue to try to corpse the entire WWE locker room. He came up, he went up, and with a earnest, straight face, told Jay that he wasn't acting very oozy. I don't know how that's spelled. I've been hashtagging it as U-C-E-Y. I'm feeling oozy right now as I'm talking to you about wrestling. Being oozy is a state of mind, really. So much so that if things don't get corrected and if Jay doesn't check his behavior, uh, the head of the table even proclaimed that he would make Sami Zayn a full-blooded ooze and even change Sami's name to Sami Uso. Uh, I thought that was completely hilarious, perfect. Uh, this this, this storyline just keeps getting better organically and accidentally it keeps getting better and i'm all for it so like i said in the past there is no way in which this is going to end that's going to be bad for anybody any any resolution to the storyline that's going to happen is going to be completely satisfying even if it includes Sami Zayn getting beat down by the entire bloodline and having to uh re renew himself by coming back and, and getting back to basics and all that, you know, blah, blah, blah. There is no bad, there's no bad storyline that is going to end the bloodline storyline. So whoever's doing this, keep up doing the brilliant work. You're doing God's work when talking about pro wrestling. Uh, and then we get to the final segment of SmackDown where not necessarily God's, in play as much as demons are in play. Bray Wyatt comes out with a very earnest promo uh, talking about he's still fighting, but he's, he's with us. And, and sometimes the darkness made him do things that he didn't want to do. And he didn't want to ever succumb to that. And he's just a normal guy and blah, blah, blah. However, the, the formidable visage of uncle Howdy reappeared on the screen this time wearing a very different hairstyle very reminiscent of a former wwe superstar i'll let you do your research to figure that out who that might be they might be referencing uh uncle howdy came out basically called bray wyatt a liar and said that that bray wyatt uh basically has to uh, continue to fight uh, these demons and blame all of his problems on Uncle Howdy, but Uncle Howdy's here and he's not going anywhere and you have to deal with him. The mask itself was completely, I dug it. It was it was frightening. And again, you have to kind of see it. I didn't even notice it right away until people started doing a little bit of investigation on the interwebs to find out um, what the references were in the Uncle Howdy mask this week. Uh, the one curious thing that people pointed out was Uncle Howdy is sporting a very familiar-looking uh, earring, which is a favorite earring of another former 
WWE superstar that was rumored to have been re-signed recently to WWE. And I'll let you do your own research when it comes to that, but for some people it was completely obvious. And it makes sense that this person is underneath the mask that's underneath. He, oh, by the way, Uncle Howdy also did mention that um, Bray Wyatt still wears the mask or wears a mask. He's just not being honest about it. So more of Uncle Howdy. I think this is going to be great. I think this is going to be the first time where it's going to be wrestlers self versus self. Or very few times where it's self versus self. This is kind of hard to pull off, but I think they're going to be able to do it. Um, and I know it's going to be like the invisible man or whatever, but if Uncle Howdy actually does manifest in a physical form, I think it's going to be a great metaphor for someone who has to uh, wrestle with their demons. So uh, another great show by SmackDown. Uh, they just keep killing it lately, and I just keep paying attention. I think it's going to be really interesting to see where Uncle Howdy is going to go. Uh, you know, personally, I'd like to see more of Uncle Howdy still being in Bray's head to influence him. I'm going to think that uh, I would love to see Bray wrestle straight up wrestling matches, but then something happened, like an accident or an opportunity for Bray to like hit uh, his opponent with. Uh, a foreign object or something to that effect because uncle howdy will come on and start you know telling him to do it over the jumbotron or whatever and you know i can see bray wyatt being tortured by uh resorting to underhanded tactics to win especially if let's say bray wyatt's there and he's got the ring bell because uncle howdy told him to use the ring bell and his opponent's lying there in state uh as bray wyatt can use the ring bell to uh get the victory and at the last minute he turns to uncle howdy and throws the ring bell out of the ring and says no i won't do that but as that happens the uh bray wyatt's opponent comes up from behind with a schoolboy one two three boom and wins and then sends bray wyatt in a deeper depression of even when i do things right even when i do the right thing it still it still has a negative outcome i wouldn't mind seeing that a little bit i don't think that's what they're going to do but that's kind of my commentary on what i think they should do so speaking of my commentary and what I think should happen, let's get to the final segment of today's show. Going a little bit long today, but that's okay. There's plenty to talk about. And uh, I want to get to the heart of the matter with the last segment, which is all this prep for Crown Jewel. I'm going to run through some predictions, see what you guys think, and see if it comes true. Okay. So let's go. Let's hit it. Crown Jewel predictions. Ready? One of the first matches, Crown Jewel, will be a special attraction match between the Monster Among Monsters versus uh, Omos. And I don't know what we're calling Omos these days. Who even knows? Uh, but uh, this battle of giants is something that is completely appealing to the crown jewel crowd this is something for them they like to see this kind of thing of two giant dudes slapping each other around um might just go classic heel versus baby face on this one i might just go classic that uh braun's gonna win braun Strowman will be victorious I think because he's likable too, uh, that Amos isn't quite there yet. He's not quite ready 
just yet. But I think it's going to be a fun match. I think when you think about it, Braun Strowman is going to be the ring general there on that one, right? He's going to be the one guiding Omos through it. I think it's going to be a, a, a better match than people expect, but it's not going to be great. And hopefully the smart people in the back are going to realize what both these guys' strengths are and what these both these guys' weaknesses are and hopefully amplify the strengths without uh, destroying the or, or making the weaknesses too obvious. They may even get Omos a little bit of offense, probably make him dominant, probably make him put Braun Strowman in a lot of neck vices and neck cranks and and, and things of that nature, probably set him up for a lot of major uh, major moves. But as far as the end goes, it's going to be uh, the monster among me- monsters with his extreme talent, his uh, scary strength and physical ability. I mean, heck, the dude can do a drop rope, uh, a top rope drop uh, kick. So I'm going to predict that for Crown Jewel, we're going to see Braun Strowman come out on top. All right. Uh, next is, um, again, the aforementioned, let's just get these guys together to do something for the undisputed Tag Team Championships. It's going to be the Brawling Brutes, Rich Holland and Butchie McButcherson versus the Usos. Um, this might actually be a really good match. One of them might actually steal the show if they go hard. If Rich Holland... I think Rich is still not finding his happy medium of tough, stiff, brawling dude versus, hey, ease up, we're trying to get to the hotel bar, right? Like, make it light work, uh, but at the same time, make it look believable. He's still kind of finding himself in that regard, and God bless him if he can. Um, He is working hard, and by the way, he's definitely got the personality. He's got a good voice. He can cut a good promo. So he knows how to talk. He knows what to do. Uh, the, the problem is, can he work snug enough to where he, he's not, he's being overprotective of people, but, you know, loose enough that he doesn't make everything look terrible. Um, I could see Pete Dunne eating a lot of the offense in this match too. Uh, it's not going to be... The Brawling Brutes day, I feel like that in the end, it is going to be another day, just another one for the day oneers, the Usos, to continue to be dominant as the undisputed WWE Tag Team Champions. Next is going to be very interesting to see the outcome of this as a precursor, probably, for Survivor Series as the OG club of the current never open weight champion Carl Anderson Luke I just got slammed by Rhea Ripley Gallows and AJ Styles daddy versus Judgment Day Finn Balor Damian Priest and Dominic Mysterio this is going to be a very interesting match because the two that I really 
I guess, did we need to see them back? I don't know if we needed to see the OG back, but internationally, they're big. Internationally, they're hot. Uh, I thought that Anderson and Gallo swore they would never go to Saudi Arabia again. I guess the money is really good. I don't know. Who knows? Um, in the end, we're all hypocritical. And uh, I don't know if they're going to do anything with them. Maybe they're going to give them a proper tag team run that they deserve. Who knows? But they are definitely going to fight the Judgment Day. Um, You know, the pairings are going to be obvious, right? It's going to be AJ versus Finn. It's going to be Luke versus Damien Priest. And it's going to be Carl Anderson versus Dominic Mysterio, who people are crapping on him. But he's definitely getting better, and I think he's finding a really fun groove as a heel, especially to be the quasi-simp to the aforementioned Rhea Ripley. And it would work. It would totally work if Beth Phoenix was a part of that. If they put Beth Phoenix up with Rhea Ripley to be part of that, that would be that would, would totally work. Um, I don't see a reason why Judgment Day would win, necessarily. Uh, this is where you would want to draw... This is where you would want a no count out or whatever and just continue this into Survivor Series. But what's probably going to happen is is that the OG Club, the Good Brothers, and uh, Alan uh, Jones Styles is probably going to be victorious in this match. The only women's match on the card is going to be Raw Women's Champion Bianca Belair defending her belt against Bailey, and I believe this is a steel cage match or it's a last woman standing it's one of the two so it should be good as far as Bailey's probably going to take over one because again heels usually take over the match but two you know god bless her I love Bianca Belair she's a great champion she just hasn't done a lot of these extreme I mean she's done ladder matches obviously she's done different things but going out into the crowd is going to be tough, especially when there's tons of men who are probably going to be thrown in jail for mildly brushing up against a woman. That's not her. That's not his sister, mother, or wife. So we shall see what happens to the last woman standing match. How much are they going to do? How much are they going to go into the crowd? Because that's part of the point of a last woman standing match, isn't it? Where it's the going into the crowd, going into the stands, beating the crap out of people, using chairs, using the stadium as a weapon itself. Uh, This ought to be be good. I'm going to reserve my judgment because I don't know how well uh, Bianca Belair is going to sell, if she has any interesting ideas, if they have any interesting ideas between the two of them as to what to use. Bailey, I trust Bailey to be able to... Uh, do a last woman standing match and do the right thing. I just don't know if Bianca's going to be able to follow her. This match might not be the best match of the night, but I also don't think there's going to be a title change at Crown Jewel, and this is definitely not going to be one of them. So Bianca Belair will retain her belt against Bailey, but there will be a setup for something further down the line between the two women. All right, now we're starting to get into some of the bigger matches of the night, which include a grudge match. I believe this is the cage match between Drew McIntyre and Karrion Cross. This is the kind of thing that we want. Again, some of you on the internet, big meaty dude slapping meat uh, is the phrase that y'all use, not me. 
And this match could uh, be very good technically, despite the fact being in a cage. And you're going to get, of course, the interference. It's going to this time the interference is going to backfire on Karrion Cross. Scarlet's going to somehow find her way inside the cage. She's going to be accosted. Uh, she's going to be saved or whatever. Uh, there may even be a spot where Cross tries to spear Drew McIntyre in the corner and inadvertently hits his wife, Scarlett. There could be a lot of shenanigans going on in this match. There also could be a new level of brutality as far as Karrion Cross using the ring to wrap Drew's arms in or choke Drew out or rub him against the cage or do whatever you got to do. Uh, have a lot of faith in Karrion Cross and Drew McIntyre to pull off a better than good match. Probably going to end with a 3-2-1 Claymore because Drew is also over like Rover in Saudi Arabia. So we'll see. But my prediction is going to be that uh, Drew McIntyre continues to be a part of the heavyweight championship picture by getting a very hard-fought victory over Karrion Cross, who loses nothing because we all know he's a badass. Sorry, that's my one swear for the podcast. And that he's going to still remain in the title picture uh, years to come. Second special attraction match that's actually going to be way better than the first. And if this is not a shoot, then they might as well not have it. But uh, Brock coming in for another payoff to fight Bobby Lashley in a special attraction match of two NCAA champions, (laughs) two former MMA stars who are pro wrestlers going at it. This has got to be a shoot. I would love for this to be a shoot. Then again, the last time Brock was involved in a shoot was backstage where in, in, in OVW where Kurt Angle basically ragdolled the bejesus out of him. So this one is going to be good. It's going to be surprisingly good because I'm not a general huge fan of Haas fights. And there's already two other Haas fights on this card, you know, with Strowman and Omos and with uh, McIntyre versus Cross. But in this one, we're going to see some craziness. We're going to probably see Brock do a senton flip out of the ring. We're probably going to see Bobby Lashley do a uh, shooting star press. We're going to see a lot of great action. Uh, we're, surprisingly, we're not going to see a lot of groundwork technical stuff. I know uh, Lesnar probably will pull out the Kimura or the American no against Bobby Lashley, and that might be fun to see. But as far as uh, what it should be, which is basically straight-up shoot, it's not going to be. But it'll be entertaining nonetheless. Uh, I just saw a video where Bobby Lashley at one point pitched to Vince that he was going to go on a streak, a losing streak, and lose to a guy he shouldn't have lost to. And he's going to quote-unquote get depressed and put on like 40 or 50 pounds, and then uh, MVP was going to save him and re- rehabilitate him, and they were going to do some vignettes. It's a creative idea. I don't know that WWE wants to get involved with even something that remotely would sound like fat shaming, but at least Bobby Lashley was coming with ideas, and he was coming with uh, with with things to do. So God bless him. But, yeah, that should be a really good match. That should That, that match should slap as the kids say, and I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to say that Bobby Lashley doesn't lose anything by losing this match. I think they're going to give the dub to Brock Lesnar. All right, now the main event for Crown Jewel, 
Saturday, November 5th at noon, I believe, which is going to be interesting because it's going to be up against a bunch of football, but I guess that's what they're hoping. Where? Internet sensation, influencer, and now WWE superstar Logan Paul, whose brother got a cheap win last night, I digress, versus the head of the table, Roman Reigns. This is going to be a lot better than people are going to expect. Logan Paul has shown that he can not only go in the ring, but he, after only training in limited capacity, is better in the ring than probably a third of the WWE locker room and obviously 85% of the AEW locker room. Going up against the Us, the big dog, the head of the table, Roman Reigns, who can work a match with anybody and has worked a match with practically anybody. Anybody from Rey Mysterio all the way to uh, Braun Strowman. Uh, Roman Reigns has been able to take any everybody out and and uh, and flex his muscles for it. Uh, Logan Paul is going to get a surprising amount of offense against Roman Reigns. Roman's not stupid, and the, the people booking the show are not stupid. They're going to give Logan Paul every illusion that he can, in fact, beat Roman Reigns. As a matter of fact, I would not be surprised if any of the bloodline, including Sami Zayn uh, and Paul Heyman, get somehow physically involved to distract Logan Paul long enough for him for Roman to hit him with the Superman punch. It's definitely going to be one punch, but it's not going to be Logan Paul. The one punch is going to be from Roman Reigns. I see Logan Paul throwing a punch. He might actually land one, but then it's going to be some type of disqualification or Paul Heyman is going to roll in the ring to stop the match like you know, momentarily while the rest of the bloodline beat up Logan Paul, soften him up for Reigns to come back and hit him with the spear. But, it should be a very uh, entertaining match. However, they're not giving the belt to a random. Despite what many of you on the internet secretly wish, they are not giving the belt to a random dude who doesn't stay very long. They, in fact, are going to keep it on Roman Reigns. So please be aware that Roman Reigns will, in fact, retain his belt. And he will continue to be the top three longest reigning WWE champions of all time so that's my prediction for crown jewel it's pretty much going to go chalk it's pretty much going to go straight down the line who you would expect to win despite the fact there might be very good matches uh including the one that might steal the show uh the um brawling brutes versus uh the usos might actually be the match of the night i feel like that's got match of the night potential to it um but definitely, that's my predictions for Crown Jewel. I hope you enjoyed them, and I hope you enjoyed the show. Hey, thanks for joining me today. I know it was a little long, but hey, that's good, right? We still got to do the thing that we love, which was talk professional wrestling. And I'm so happy that I could talk professional wrestling with you guys. I can't wait to see your comments on the Facebook page. And then I also can't wait to see your comments on the Heel Turn Wrestling page as well. So please, if you have time or if you want to, you think what I'm doing is great, if you think you like my opinions or if you dislike opinions, that's my most important. I don't care if you don't if you like my opinions as much as you dislike them, then we can have a healthy debate about them. But you can follow me on all my social medias here at Facebook, on Twitter, 
You can follow me on Minds, on Locals. You can follow me almost everywhere. Just go ahead to your favorite social media platform and type Heal and Face Podcast, and I promise you I will be the first up. Seeing that as well as if you are not able to watch along the podcast, you can definitely listen on all your favorite audio podcast streaming platforms. I uh, am the first of every search. As long as you type in Heal and Face Podcast, you can see the angel and devil wings that you love so much. That's it for me. The Big Stevie C, Steve Castellanova, I'm signing off for another edition of the Heel and Face podcast. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Crown Jewel is going to be fun. Have fun watching that. Have a happy Halloween. Go out trick-or-treating, robbing little kids for bags. No, I'm not going to advocate that. I was just quoting a Ghetto Boy song, so chill out. But anyway, have fun this weekend. Have fun with your little ones. Enjoy wrestling. Enjoy the week. And... As always, peace.